living and active. We thank you, Lord, that you want us to know the truth, the truth that will set us free, Father. And therefore, Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you come and bring forth your truth. I thank you, Lord, that every, every thought that wishes to exalt itself above Jesus will be submitted to you this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. So one of the things when, when we're talking about homosexuality is that we need to realize that this is a very sensitive topic because we're talking about people's lives here. In fact, John Stott said this. He said, as we reflect on the message of the Bible and the demands of our culture, we need to reassert our belief in the authority of Scripture. That's where we start. First, Scripture. Okay? If we waver in our belief that God has spoken to us in the Scriptures, then we are left with conjecture and opinion. Yet we also need to be sensitive to the fact that we are dealing with people's emotions, their sexual identity, and their dreams of finding love and acceptance. Okay? Very, very sensitive thing. That is one thing we need to realize. It is a sensitive topic because we're dealing with people. It's not just something out there. It's not just an animal. It's, not, it's a person that we're dealing with. And these people have dreams. They have ambitions. They have a desire to be accepted. Yeah? But yet we need to look at Scripture. Because the reason why I chose that, uh, that clip was, I mean, there were many other clips, but this clip was so good because it dealt with somebody who was struggling with this thing. Um, it, it showed the emotions that the family was going through. Uh, it showed the fact that this person is a Christian and loves God and wants to serve God. Yeah? So, because sometimes we look at homosexuals and we think, ah, those people are just want to sin, and, you know, we just throw them out there. But we never sit to actually hear their stories and listen to them and realize that, actually, this is a person. This is a person. And the one thing that I saw from this clip is how genuinely, genuinely, we can be deceived as people. Yeah? That's why the Bible says no one is good but God. Because if we, again, look at people as a standard, and look at how good the person is. And look at how, how they, they're probably well behaved. And maybe we can just make this exception for them based on that. We're going to compromise the word of God. Yeah. So humans should never be the standard. Emotions should never be the standard. The word of God should always be the standard. That is where we start. And we need to realize that this gay thing is really an attack against families. It is. Remember in the Bible, it's so clear. It says God created the male and female. Yeah? And what did he do? He blessed them. And he said, multiply and be fruitful. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. His desire was to have righteous seed filling the earth. Okay? That was God from the beginning. That's been God's dream. 
And that's why the way he designed the woman and the way he designed the man is so different so that they will be able to complement each other and bring forth God's purpose here on earth. And you know, throughout the Bible, we see that when God created us, after the whole, you know, the sin, he realized how far we've fallen from his original plan and purpose. And that's why, yes, he, uh, Jesus was, was the solution to all the sin. But the good thing about God is that when, when he left us, he didn't just assume. Human beings would just want to do the right thing. After that sin, the state of humanity has fallen so far. Remember the days of Noah. It was so bad, God had to start all over. And even when he started all over, he knew that this sin is still in the nature of human beings. Yeah? And Jesus is the solution. But while the fulfillment was coming, he took the time in the book of Leviticus to just lay some ground rules where sexual intimacy is concerned. Because he didn't, just, he didn't assume that people would just want to have sexual relations in the right context. Yeah? He saw what we are capable of doing. That's why he laid out this stuff. And if you look in Leviticus chapter 18, and I know a lot of people are like, ah, Old Testament, it doesn't apply. But again, principles. Yeah? There he starts off talking about sexual relations. And he knows that this thing is such a powerful thing. You know? It's such a tasty thing. People would, I mean... It, it's one of the things that people speak about a lot is sex. Yeah? People are curious about sex. Yeah? And I, I'm just going to be open about sexual intimacy this morning. So if there are any children 10 years down, please take them to children's church. Yeah? But, <laughs> but, but God knew, God really knew how dangerous this can be when taken out of hand. Yeah? So he starts off by speaking about how you don't, uh, you don't approach your close relative for sexual relations. Then he goes to talking about you don't have sexual relations with your mother. You don't have sexual relations with your sister. Insist. You don't have sexual relations with your grandmother or your grandchildren or your uncle. It's all there. You can read it in the book of Leviticus. It's detailed. It's not just one thing. It's detailed. And then he talks about how a man should not take his his wife's sister as a rival wife because we know what that can happen. We've seen it in the Bible. So he breaks it down. And then once he's done with all this relationships, he comes to that point where he starts talking about in, in, um, in verse, um, yeah, 18, chapter 18, verse 22, where he says, a man should not lie with another man as a man lies with a woman. It is detestable to the Lord. Okay? And then he continues and he says, 
You shall not have sexual relations with an animal. And then the list continues, and, and, and in chapter 20, it's revisited again every now and then. There were just some boundaries that God had to set down for us. And I know a lot of people think it's just sex, but what they don't realize is that sexual intimacy is such, it, it's something that is so strong that it works in your very soul. The Bible says, whoever has sex with a prostitute becomes one with her. Okay? So sexual intimacy causes people to become one. And there's something that happens in their souls. It's like souls coming together and feeding off each other. So it's really important that we don't just look at this thing as We are just animals. Just do it. Okay? It's it's desires. Just do it. Because that's that's what the world is teaching. Don't deprive yourself of what you're feeling inside. If you deprive yourself, you might end up with all sorts of sicknesses and diseases. In fact, most of the problems today, psychological and health problems, are because people are deprived of their sexual needs. You hear people say that. So just do what you need to do. But here we see God has given us boundaries. Even Jesus came back and said, don't you know from the beginning God created a male and female? And a husband will leave his, his father's house and cleave to, this, to his wife. And they will become one flesh. This has always been God's heart. It's family. And we know that families are being attacked more than anything else. It is one blow after another blow after another blow. The enemy coming in to distort what family is. Now, homosexuality is not new. It's been there in ancient times. It's been there. It was just not as open and bold as it is today and as it's becoming. Yeah? I'm sure most of us know here and there maybe you heard of somebody, but it was something kept under. It was something that, oh, my goodness, let's not talk about this. And, and in some cultures, if it's starting to happen in a, in a male child, they quickly take that boy and they fix him. Isn't it? You'll spend less time with your mom. You will be with a man. We will, you know, they teach him how to be a man because of that fear that he might go in a direction that we don't accept. Yeah? But nowadays, it is so loud. It's everywhere. There is an agenda to normalize homosexuality. And it's loud. Let's make gay people look good. Let's make authorities look bad. Because now it's discrimination. You're discriminating against a minority. Yeah? It's, it's just like in the days of slavery. Black people were being discriminated against. 
Now, we homosexuals are being discriminated against. That's how bad it's become. And it's loud. It's like, I mean, people are proclaiming it boldly. It's, it's coming out there. And people are raising funds, going to campuses to create awareness that there is nothing wrong with being a homosexual. There's nothing wrong. It's acceptable. Even Christians say God made him like that. If God didn't want that person to be like that, then they wouldn't have been born like that. So the enemy is out there to distort. He's really out there to distort families. He's out there to distort what God has created, God's divine nature. Because now this whole thing is, who says, who says a man can only be attracted to a woman? A man can also be attracted to another man. A woman can also be attracted to another woman. And then, who says you need to pick one side? Yeah? You can be attracted to both. Yeah? You can be attracted to both. You can be a man and you're attracted to men and women. You can be a woman and you're attracted to men. And woman. And then the list goes on. If you go to the next slide, it's like, but uh, who said that a man is actually a man? Just because your sexual organs show that you're a man doesn't mean that you're a man. You could be a woman. Trapped in a man's body. And you need to release that. You need to be who you are. In fact, I was reading last week, there was an article that came on this Christian site that I subscribed to. And they were talking about the first genderless baby that was born. And I was like, yo, I need to see this baby. So the baby was born genderless. And then when I was reading, I realized it's not that the baby is genderless. This baby has a gender, okay? They didn't specify. I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl. Um, even in the article, it was just anonymous. And the parent kept it anonymous. They said, yes, this baby is born like this. And mind you, the parent, the mother is a transgender. Okay? So what you value, you will pass on to your offspring. Okay. So they said, no, yes, we can see physically what this baby is here. However, I don't want to attach a gender based on what we see here externally. I want this person, this baby of mine, to be free to decide who they want to be when they grow up. Yeah? So I don't want there to be any pressure. Yeah? In fact, on the health card, where it says gender, there's a you. 
for un, undetermined or unspecified. There's just a you there. And they're fighting. It must also be on the birth certificate and other things because this parent said, when you grow older and you realize who you really are, gender-wise, if it doesn't match with what you're born with, it becomes difficult later. If your gender doesn't match your sex, it becomes difficult to change your documents and all this stuff. So let's just keep it like this. In fact, there's a whole community of people now in the States that are raising their kids very differently. They let the boys and the girls play together. They don't tell them you're a boy, you're a girl. They don't tell them that. They say they don't want the children to be pressurized into becoming something based on social norms. You know, because when you bring up a child, if it's a boy, you treat them a certain way, right? If it's a girl, you treat them a certain way. So now they're saying society is pressurizing people into those roles. So let's rather let the kids play together. Let's bring out the guns and the dolls and whatever is available. And whatever the child wants to play with, let them play with whatever they want to play with. And when they're old enough, they will be able to decide what it is that they feel they are. If they're a woman or if they're a man. If they're a woman trapped in a man's body. Or if it's a man trapped in a woman's body. That's what's happening today. That's why we have this LGBT. LGBT, Okay, an acronym. Actually, it's even growing. It's LGBTQ. And then there's IIT and all... It's it's just growing. It's growing. It's not stopping. Yeah. So it's really growing. People people are just changing, and it's it's a it's a whole thing of who said postmodernism. Who said you can only be this or do that or be that. There's more to explore. First Corinthians 6 verse 9 to 11 says this. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, No thieves, no the greedy, no drunkards, no slanderers, no swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So he's just saying that none of these guys will enter or inherit the kingdom of God. And it's so interesting that every time you look at homosexuality in the New Testament, you always find it among a list of other sins. Okay? So one thing we need to determine and to, to really um, grasp is that homosexuality is not the sin. It's a sin. Just like all the other sins. 
I know a lot of Christians nowadays, they are like, Woo, my goodness, did you hear? Did you see that person is a homosexual? As if it's the greatest sin. As if it's almost like there's hell and then there's a hotter hell for the homosexuals. They burn more. But it's not true. <laughs> Homosexuality is just a sin like all the other sins. Yeah. So, if you're a greedy Christian, if you're a fornicating Christian, for those who don't know what fornication is, premarital sex, yeah? if you're a Christian getting drunk every weekend, guess what? You are just as guilty as the homosexual. We can't sit and say, that homosexual there, Ooh. we need to pray. We need to pray. But here, I'm constantly gossiping. It's the same thing. If you look in 1 Timothy 1.10, again, it speaks about homosexuality. And then it goes through a list. Drunkards, sexually immoral, swindlers, da 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 da. Again, it speaks about homosexuality like that. So we need to remove this thing that when we look at homosexuals, we think their sin is bigger than everybody else's sin. You know, if we could, if we could just wear magnifying glasses <laughs> that show the sin, if. if the sin in somebody's life, yeah. When we come to church, we can see who's the fornicator, who did what, who did what, and then there's a homosexual. No? It's exactly the same. It's just that because it's harder to hide, no? it's harder to hide. It's out there, it's in your face. Then we make it sound bigger, but it's not. And so... I must also say this, you know, when it comes to sexual immorality, I think I've said it before. Um, I know that to a lot of Christians, there are sins that are acceptable and then there are just sins that are not acceptable. Like it's okay to lie. Yeah? But if it's maybe adultery, ooh, yeah? Or if it's homosexual, ooh, yeah? But I'm lying. Yeah? So, we need to remember that the Bible says that whoever sins outside, yeah, is, I, I mean, all other sins are committed outside of the body, but this, the sexual sin is committed against yourself, against your body. Yeah? Which means it's a lot more damaging, especially in the area of identity. If you see people that come from a, a, a background of sexual brokenness, it, it takes a lot more work to get them out, to bring back identity, to strengthen them in who they are because it, they've been violated. The core of who they are has been violated. Yeah. So it's deeper than maybe lying here and lying, but it's still sin. In God's eyes, it's still sin. Okay? Romans 1 verse 18 to 32 I want us to read that together. I didn't put it on my slides because it takes long. Oh, it's quite a long 
äh, was? Jesus. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without any excuse. For though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of um, the glory of the e- immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for, for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Okay. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Okay? And then it goes on, listing all the other things. Yeah? Maybe we can just continue until 32. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. As if evil is not enough, they are ways of evil that can be invented. Yeah? They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Okay? So it's speaking about how God gave them over to the depravity of their minds so that they may do what is against God. It's speaking about rebellion here. Yeah? Rebellion. So when God created us, and it's what's happening now. Remember the first message I preached? I said in the last days, people are so obsessed with themselves. Everybody wants to do what they feel like doing, when they feel like doing, and how they feel like doing. We are so obsessed with worshiping this body and the creation that we don't look beyond and look at the creator. That it's become a thing of self and us, me, 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 me. And we don't want to recognize God 
Even though the message is being preached, even though we've got the Bible, there are just some things that we like about the Bible that we want to take out, and there are some things that we just don't bother about, even though it's there. Yeah? And then we say, but the world is changing, culture is changing, things are becoming different. Therefore, the Bible needs to keep up. <laughs> if it's not keeping up with the times, my friends, it's going to be thrown out. But we need to recognize that God's word does not change. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it exists for a reason. Yeah? It is there to, to, to really direct us towards life and godliness. Everything that God wants us to know and to understand, it's in his word. And it's as if that wasn't enough, he gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth. So it doesn't change. It really doesn't change, but culture changes. Ten years ago, 15 years ago, homosexuality in Namibia was like, I will never forget the founding father on NBC TV. I always have that picture in my head. The homosexual... We will deport them for sure. Hmm? I remember that. And then I remember watching a panel discussion with Nikki Iambo, and I think it was a guy called, with a surname Swartz, or his name was Swartz. He was representing the rainbow. And then there was, is it Ian Swartz, yeah? And then there were some other people discussing this issue of homosexuality. And the one was trying to convince the others why it's important that we become open-minded. And I just remember Nikki Ambo's face just looking at that guy <laughs> like this, saying, you know, you are such a good-looking young man. You are so strong and convincing in your speaking. These are the kind of people we need in parliament. Huh? Now imagine... Just imagine, I just want to ask you, if the whole of the Namibian population just decided they are now going to become this homosexual thing, what is society going to look like? Hmm? What is it going to look like? And then he continued, in Europe it is allowed. <laughs> yeah. But here, what is it going to look like? And we need to ask ourselves this question. If we allow this con to continue, if we teach our children that, you know, you can just decide what you want. There's no such thing. You know, sex is just how you're born. That is your sex. But gender, you decide. What is society going to look like? Those children that are being adopted by homosexuals, what value system do they have? Have you ever thought about it? Because now they're saying, no, but gay people, ha uh, they also want to ha find happiness. And yes, they can't have kids, but then they can adopt. They go to the orphanages and they adopt children. And they just want to show these kids all the love that they didn't get. But what value system is the child going to have? And how is it going to influence society? 
How is it going to change the world? And I'm telling you, when the enemy works, he is bold and he is strong. And he forces people. I remember when this thing started breaking out in the States, uh, Pastor Rod Parsley stood up and he said he cannot believe that a 2% minority <laughs> is causing the whole nation, 2%, causing 98% to bow down to their demands saying you're going to make this thing legal in this nation. The constitution will change. 2%. The whole 98 bow down to this thing. There was a story of, of a, a couple that bakes cakes. Yeah? And then the, the lesbian couple came to buy a cake because they were getting married. And they said, no, sorry, we don't believe in gay marriages. We're not going to bake a cake for your wedding. They were taken to court. Yeah? You are discriminating against me. You will be taken to court. And this is how loud it is. It's like, it's, it's like fighting for children's rights. It's the same course now. And it's becoming loud. And if we don't stand up and we don't speak, and we don't teach our children differently. And we don't speak about this stuff in the church. No. Our nation is going to go in a different direction. Okay. So then there's the argument of if, if God really didn't want these people to exist, he wouldn't have created them. Yeah. And then there's this whole question of origin. Where do they come from? What happened? Was the baby born a homosexual? Like that little baby there, after birth, we just put that tag, homosexual? Because hmm? a lot of people, a lot of gay guys, they say, I was born like this. And for years, they've been trying to research this gay gene thing. They didn't find it. Yeah? There's an X chromosome and there's a Y chromosome. And if you're a woman, you're XX. If you're male, you're XY. There's nothing in between. There's not like a half a Y and, and a half a... It's not there. Or Z chromosome. It's not there. Okay? So we can't say it's in the gene. But what has come to the fore, what people have found is that people, there are some people that are born with a chemical hormonal imbalance. Okay? Where maybe where you're supposed to be a woman, you've got more of the male hormone, testosterone. Like that runner, Casta. Yeah? She, she, they found that she had internal testes that were actually releasing this testosterone. That's why she was stronger, she ran faster, and you could see she was very masculine. So there are some cases like that. But it's not in every homosexual that you're finding that now they have a hormonal imbalance. Those are rare cases. Okay? And also, when it comes to I was born this way, some people say as young as I was seven or ten, I just felt differently. Yeah? But it's not because there was something genetically that was different. 
Sometimes it's just really this imbalance or what the parents speak over their child. I remember when I was on campus, there was this guy that came to sit next to me, and he was also Namibian. And we started talking. And the guy was very feminine, very like, you know, and, and, and I mean, I have grown over the years. That time, like, I, I was so curious, and I would just ask these bold questions because I wanted to ask, you know, are you gay? Or I, I wanted to ask something like that, but something just said, stop. So I just continue having the conversation with this guy. And as we were talking, we started talking about family. And then he said, you know, I was the baby in my family. I'm the baby. I was the last born. And all my siblings are boys. So when my mom fell pregnant with me, she was expecting a girl. She really wanted a girl. And when I was born and I was a boy, she was so disappointed. And since then, I've always heard her say, You were supposed to be a girl. You were supposed to be a girl. Even in a jokey way, they're playing, but you, you were supposed to be a girl. He said he heard that all the time. And then immediately I could connect the dots. Without asking any questions, I could just say, okay, this is where it comes from. And, And especially with parents, we need to realize how powerful our words are. When, especially in those early eight stages where the baby is forming, When you're speaking, you're speaking into this baby. You're speaking something. Your words are powerful. They've got creative power. Yeah? So if it's a girl and you wanted a boy, just be happy. Don't try to to manipulate and try to make this, you know. Just be happy. If it's a girl, be happy. If it's a boy, be happy. Don't speak things over the baby. They can be spiritual or demonic influence. Yeah? I don't have time to go into that, but um, a spirit of lust can influence people. Sometimes the people, they're thinking, they're just saying, I keep thinking I'm a boy, but I'm actually a girl. I don't know where it's coming from. Remember, thoughts, the enemy suggests thoughts to us. Now, we can't stop the thoughts from coming, but we can stop them from building themselves into strongholds in our, in our minds. We need to take authority and say no to thoughts that want us to believe differently. Okay? Acquired lifestyle. If you were a boy and maybe you were raised by your mother and four sisters and they didn't treat you differently, they would dress in front of you and then you just start thinking you're one of the girls. You also take the scarves and you start playing and, you know? So somebody needs to call that out and say, you are a boy. When you're being raised, you, uh, boys are raised differently than girls. You can't raise them the same. Yeah. I had five bro- uh, four brothers, and I was raised differently. Yeah. I had an early curfew. They didn't have a curfew. And I used to get mad, but I understand why. Yeah. And there are just certain things that you do with boys that you don't do with girls. Okay. So acquired lifestyle is, is very important. Dysfunctional father relationship. This is huge. Fathers are so important to impart identity. Whether you're a girl or you're a boy, your father is important. So this is huge. And also sexual abuse. Sexual abuse is a big one. When a young boy is raped at the age of five, 
That is the first attachment and understanding they have with sexual intimacy. Okay? So it, it causes them to think this is the normal way of doing this. And again, their soul attaches itself to that. All right, I'm going to have to speed up. Um, sexual abuse, incest, molestation, experimentation, thoughts and fantasy take them captive. Exposure to pornography, a spirit of lust. A spirit of lust can attach itself to you if you open those doors and it becomes so excessive. This thing, you, you think you, you're trying to get cured and this, but it's not coming because there's a spirit. There's a demonic spirit that you need to take authority over. Rebellion in Romans 1 verse 21 to 29. Okay? And then I want to move on to a Christian's response. I don't have time to go in Proverbs 14 verse 12, but a Christian's response should be this. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9 to 11. Let's just quickly read that. Okay? Um, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9 to 11. What should my response be as a Christian to homosexuals? Here Paul is saying, I have written you in my letter not to associate with with sexual immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, Okay. Yeah. Or the greedy and swindler idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat with. Oh my goodness, this is hectic. So Paul is saying, I wrote to you to stay away from those that are sexually immoral. But what I meant is not to say those who are in the world that are sexually immoral. Because for you to be able to do that, you're going to have to remove yourself. And how will they know Christ? But then he continues to say, but if a brother or a sister is saying, I know Jesus, I have a personal relationship with Jesus, and this is how God has made me, then we have a problem. And again, I love the fact that he puts all the stuff together. If they continue to be greedy, swindlers, sexually immoral, all this stuff, and they're calling themselves a brother, a born-again Christian, then we have a problem. Why? Because in the presence of God, things cannot remain the same. So can a homosexual genuinely be a born-again Christian? Yes, but they need to change. Just like a fornicator, yes. The Bible says, come as you are, but you can't stay as you are. Okay? But now the problem, the problem, nah, is that the homosexuals want accept, uh, to, uh, exemption. Yeah? Acceptance, not acceptance. Exception. exception. They're saying that God made me like this. And I can come and worship God in my state. Don't try to change me. This is where the problem comes. But we as Christians should be there to offer hope to these guys. To say, you know what? God wants to call out who you truly are. He wants to impart his true identity. The enemy came to steal and rob you of who you are. But God wants to bring that and turn that thing around. He does. Okay? But just don't say, this is who I am. The minute you own that thing. You, it becomes very difficult because your mind has bought into this lie. Your willpower is so strong. 
You have to be willing to change and say, no, this is not who I am. God, your word says this. You can change me, and I want you to change me. Amen. I wish we had more time. For those who have questions, we cover this in Bible school. Come with your questions. We have deeper discussions there. Um, We're doing it this semester as well, and we will announce when we're doing it. But this is just the truth, saints. Every single person, that, that, that scripture in Corinthians says, so were some of you, swindlers, drunkards, whatever. But you came to Jesus, you were washed clean by the blood, and he changed you. If God could change a prostitute, if God could change a drunkard, if God could change somebody who was raped multiple times and left on the street to die, how can it be difficult for God to restore a homosexual to their identity, to their God-given identity? And I just want to close with this saying, my heart is really that this church is a safe place for prostitutes and homosexuals to come in. We shouldn't be looking at them funny when they enter the door. But we pray and we say, God, I thank you that you're going to bring healing to this person. We shouldn't be too obsessive about changing their nature because it's the Holy Spirit that changes people from the inside to the outside, the Holy Spirit. Okay? And then I also want to say this because I've seen it. Sometimes it takes longer. The person may come to church, but the tendencies are still there. Yeah? They might still be doing the hand thing. They might still be, give grace. Yeah? Some people take five years. Some take ten. But as long as the person is wanting to become what Christ has called them to be, give grace. Don't look and say, I saw that person sharing a testimony, but they were doing this. I saw, guys, let's not be that kind of church. Okay? Amen. Let's stand and pray. I thought I had more time, but your time is really catching up this morning. So I just want to pray with us this morning. And so, Father, we want to thank you, Lord Jesus. We want to thank you that you are the great I am. We want to thank you that you are more powerful than anything else in this world, Lord. That even though sometimes we listen to people's stories and it sounds so impossible, it sounds like nothing can be done. But Lord, we know that you are the God that performs miracles. You are a miracle-working God. And therefore, even in the area of homosexuality, we thank you, God, that you have the power to invade You have the power to change lives. And therefore, this morning, we pray, Lord, that you will teach us to be people that inspire hope for change. That you will teach us to be people that will pray and intercede for homosexuals to be restored to their original identity. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be agents of change and that you will do it in our hearts. And this morning, God just wants to break down some mindsets there's some people here that you, you just had such a judgmental attitude towards homosexuals, very judgmental. And God just wants to remove that this morning. And he's saying you will be the agent of change. You will be the agent of hope for these people. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're removing that in our midst. In Jesus' name. And I really just sense that God wants to, even as we were doing here, there's certain people that you've been having this, also having a struggle. You've just been having a struggle with your own identity. Maybe it's what people said. Maybe it's what you believed about yourself. And maybe it's what you think you're supposed to be. But God wants to set you free from that. If you're here this morning and and you've really had a battle where identity is concerned in this area, the Lord just wants to set you free. So just right where you are, just lift your hands to Jesus. And just say, Lord, I just thank you for freedom. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just thank you for freedom right now. Where the enemy has been trying to distort through thoughts that are not of yours, Lord. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we take those thoughts captive. We make them subject to Christ. We rebuke the works of the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for freedom. We thank you for freedom. Father, I thank you for such a firm identity. That a woman will know that she's a woman. There will be no fantasy, no desire to have sexual relations with the same sex. Men will be affirmed in their identity. They'll know who they are. Even what happened in the past will not define their lives. I thank you that you bring healing into those areas. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for freedom, Lord. Thank you so much for your wave of freedom just coming over this place. In Jesus' mighty name. Even those names that have been called. Thank you, Lord. Amen.